Welcome everybody to a Friday edition, bye week, off week, whatever you want to call it edition. Just know that the Texans are not playing on Sunday, but appreciate you being here nonetheless. I am John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and so happy to join you on this Friday, this beautiful Friday. And I hope, my hope is, that even though I'm doing this show and I'm not able to make it out to a game that you guys are on your way to a high school playoff game, I know my buddy had one last night. My good friend Mike Zerline coaching over at Tomball with a big win they had last night. So I know they're moving on to the second round of the playoffs. And I, I love Texas high school playoff time. Absolutely love it. So get on out. See a game this weekend. I'm, I mean, I will see one. It'll be the one I'm calling on Saturday. Now, it's a college game, but it's a championship game nonetheless. And that is over in Huntsville, where I will have Sam Houston State Bearcats taking on the Eastern Kentucky Colonels, an automatic qualifying berth for the FCS playoffs is at hand. If Sam wins, they get it. If Eastern Kentucky wins, they got to win, I think, another game next week to be able to get it. So championship ball game, and I have the opportunity to call that game. I actually had the opportunity Wednesday night to go down to something really, really special. My good friend Don Sanders, who is a longtime alum, fan, supporter, friend of the Sam Houston State Bearcats. If you've been there, you know the baseball stadium is named after him. I've gotten to know Don over the years, and he said, hey, I got something that you and I could do together. You want to come with me to Huntsville Wednesday night for the ring ceremony? And I was like, absolutely. I called three games in the spring for Sam on TV. I called two this year already. This will be my third one on Saturday against Eastern Kentucky. And I always look forward to going up to Huntsville and being around the program. I love Casey Keeler. And so I had a chance to go up there for the ring ceremony. And it was absolutely awesome. I mean, it was just awesome. I mean, other than, I mean, I've gotten to know everybody at Sam Houston because I've done so many games there over the last five, six years, but it was such a cool ceremony. We got to go through the new facility there, and Sam Houston State has been so good to us as a partner with the Battle of the Piney Woods, and the fact that I could be there kind of representing the Texans, but just to be there and, and, and celebrate with those guys and seeing the ring they got after just an incredible season was a very, very cool thing. So I was glad to go up there and, and celebrate with those guys. And I thought it was really cool because Dr. Alyssa White and Athletic Director Bobby Williams had suggested to the players that once they got their ranks to go around and show them to the, the people that were there, myself and the people that were invited to be there, like Don, um, etc. And so these players are coming around, there's just the, the smiles on their face showing off the ring and knowing what they had done to get there. It was really, really cool. And, you know, when I do TV, I don't have an opportunity to talk to these guys, kind of like in the NFL. You get to, in a production meeting, talk to them. We get to talk to Coach Keeler, but not the players. And so this is my first time meeting some of them. One of my favorite players that I've seen over the years is Jaquez, Jaquez Ezzard, the wide receiver for Sam Houston State. He's unbelievable. And he is just, you know, getting to meet the man behind the mask is always, I think, a really, really cool thing. And he is just such a great kid. And every single one of these guys – just smiles lit up the room. I mean, they were so personable and such a great group. And I was so, it was so cool to be there with that ring ceremony. I've never got to do anything like that. And I would love one day to have a big ceremony for a ring at some point. 
um, and make it even bigger right here in my own town in Houston. Um, but man, that I tell you, that was just it was motivation. Seeing those guys open those boxes and seeing that ring and seeing how excited they got was really, really, I mean, really cool. So um, I wrote about it. I don't know if it'll be up on the site, uh, but you go check it out. If you're a Sam Houston fan, then uh, you absolutely uh, should just know what a program that is and be very, very proud of the coaches, the players, the staff, everybody involved with Sam Houston State University is just, uh, it's unbelievable. It really, really is. All right, tonight on the show, the first hour, we're going to celebrate the young guys on this team, guys that we hope are going to end up being around for a long time. Nico Collins, Roy Lopez, Brevin Jordan. Then we will have a little in the lab with me and Drew. And then I will do my weekly NFL pick straight up and against the spread brought to you by our friends at Caesars Rewards. For every way you play, Caesars Rewards is there for you. So we're going to kick it off with Nico Collins. Didn't play in 2020, showed it off at the Senior Bowl. I know he had made an impression before he even did that. So it's time to meet Nico Collins with our good friend, D.P. Sidhu. D.P., take it away. David Culley said that you added a little bit of a spark in your first game back. So, you know, obviously you don't want to be on IR your rookie yeah, year, but definitely. you were and you're already off again. So what were those What were those three weeks like for you? You know, it was it was pretty, it's pretty rough. I got hurt Cleveland game, first play, man. You know, that I feel like that, that really set me back. So every day it was kind of a mental thing, mentally locked in in the meeting rooms, even during practice, you know, even though I'm not getting to – the physical reps, you know, I had to lock in mentally, you know, act like I'm really getting the game reps. So it was it was more a mental thing for me. Um, but I feel like I did a pretty good job of doing that, you know, making sure I was staying engaged, making sure I'm not getting behind on plays or new formations or anything Coach Kelly put in, anything like that, you know. But um, I did feel like I, I did pretty good, you know, being on the IR. You know, I hope that I'm not back on that thing no more because it was devastating. No, but nobody <laughs> wants to see you back on there again. Tim yeah. Kelly actually said that you looked like you hadn't missed a beat. And – when you made that catch at Cleveland, Tyrod Taylor was the starting quarterback, and you come back in as Davis Mills. So yes, you haven't missed a beat. The quarterback's changed. Yes, you know, ma'am. what has that mm-hmm. transition been like for you? Um, you know, it, well, I, I get both reps with Davis and Tyrod, you know. So, and I mean, the, the, I feel like when I went in, first game back was Indy, you know. We came back that week, you know. I feel like we had the connection because we get those reps during camp and, you know, OTAs, you know, and just – Every day during practice, you know, right on there, you know, we, they switch doing quarterbacks rotation, you know, so it really don't matter who I go with, you know, we all getting the timing right, you know, on the routes I have, so just things like that, you know, so going coming back in the game, you know, make sure my connection was good with Davis, you know, it wasn't, it felt like, you know, routes on there, you know, just like practice. All right, so Brandon Cooks had been asked about you quite a bit during training camp in this uh-huh. off season, and he said that you did not look like a rookie to him. <laughs> he said he may be a rookie, but he doesn't look like a rookie Good. to me. So uh, what sort of steady are you? Are you like one that watches a lot of film? Are you the type that you get out there once and you do it and you get it right? What, mm-hmm. what is your preparation? What's your process like? What made it so easy for you to yeah. make that transition this um, offseason? Yeah, so I said the, the best way I learned is actually going out there and physically doing it. You know, So, uh, for example, um, say we put in a new install, you know, I see it, write it down, and then the best way I understand is going out there, hearing it, and going get lined up, and actually going through the the footsteps, the footwork, and the timing with the quarterbacks. Just getting, is having Cooks in the room. Just, just the his, his leadership he brings there. You know, I learned a lot from him since day one I got here, man. You know, he always been there for me. You know, always in my ear. You know, whatever question I have, anything, you know, he's always there to give me advice. Or if I ask him a question about a cornerback or just like 
releases, you know, he always there for me, you know, no matter what, you know, and I, and I really appreciate him. All right, coming from Michigan, you had some familiarity with Pep Hamilton and Ben yep. McDaniel. So yeah. I know that you know, Pep coaches quarterbacks, and you know uh-huh. he's not your receivers coach. But yes, how much not. did it help having coaches that knew you from Michigan and, uh-huh. and you got here and you had some familiar faces? Yeah, does that help a lot? A lot. It, it does. It does. It helped a lot. You know, um, luckily, you know, I came here and it was here. You know, so they was there with me when I first came to Michigan. Um, I think my first two years, then Coach Pep ended up, you know, leaving. But I think McDaniel's, Coach McDaniel's still there. You know, just having them there here with me, um, I feel like it's it's very helpful. You know, familiar faces, you know, it's not coming to a new environment, new scene, you know, different level, you know, a whole bunch of new faces. You know, it was some that I knew, you know, so I'm very grateful that they're here. And they still coach me hard as always. You know, nothing changed. Nothing's changed. Nothing changed. All right, so you went to Michigan, but you're from Birmingham, Alabama. Alabama yes, ma'am. And I was reading that uh, Nick Saban actually offered you a scholarship as a sophomore in high school. Yes, ma'am. How did that go? So he just showed up at your high school and offered you a scholarship yeah, so, to Alabama? Yeah, so no, this, this is what happened. I got an offer from Southern Miss that day. I still remember. So I got an offer from Southern Miss. You're a sophomore in high school. A sophomore in high school, okay. yes, ma'am. So I was, it was last period, and I was working out, and so – my coach, head coach, um, Coach Hood, he um, called me to the office, and he said, uh, Nick Saban on the phone, you know, so I was just, you know, I was happy, you know, being a sophomore in high school, he was like, wow, you know, Saban want to talk to me, and, you know, so I went to his office, you know, I talked to him, um, and he wanted me to come up on, on a visit that weekend, you know, just so I could see, see the campus, you know, see how it is there, you know, so um, that weekend, I went there, and then he ended up offering me a scholarship, you know, in his office, you know, so that one, that I'm blessed for that one, you know, because he, being so young in in tenth grade, you know, that was my about to be my first year on varsity, and um, he offered me a scholarship, you know, it was just amazing because, not I many people get the opportunity, you know, so it was a blessing for sure. And then um, that next day, Auburn offered me, so it was kind of like a rivalry. Uh huh. Sure. You know, it was like oh, Bama offered, now nah, I really got to offer him too. So you know, Auburn offered me that next day, and then ever since then, my recruiting just took off, you know. So I'm blessed for that. It's pretty sure. amazing that Nick Saban yeah. calls you up as a sophomore in high school, but you said no to him. So you really, <laughs> you really wanted to go to Michigan, and I read somewhere that you were re- you were doing the opposite. You were trying to recruit Michigan mm-hmm. to take you on. Did you send them film of you? How did that process go um, for yeah, you so to get Mi- Michigan interested in you? So actually, so actually, I went to a camp in Michigan. It was I think they were hosting like a like a, just a regular camp, and um, so I went there for a visit actually, and then I ended up being in the camp. So um, the camp, they just wanted me to run a couple routes to see, you know, how run, move, you know, things like that. Harbaugh, he offered me a scholarship right after the camp, and, you know, um, I was blessed for that. And then it just, he, just the way he's been, you know, locked in and engaged, you know, through my recruitment. You know, he never, you know, just offered me a scholarship and then it's like disappear. You know, he made sure, you know, how I was doing, how school was going, you know, make sure, you know, he wanted me there in Michigan. And I feel like my senior year, that was that was the best move for me. So is that you know, what is that what won you over ultimately was just the the interaction that you had with Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, and then he ended up coming down um, for a visit. Um, he actually came to a home visit. You know, um, you know he came in like he lived there. You know, he came in, took his shoes off. You know, got comfortable. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> just sitting in your house. Yeah, and once I saw that, I was like, yeah, you know, I, li- I like. That's impressive. Ball, so you when know, you're in high school to have a, a head coach yes, of a program ma'am. come and sit in your house yeah, like that? Yes, ma'am. And then just. Just the way he was engaged with my parents. My parents loved him. I loved him. You know, just the interaction, man, just with everybody was amazing. So when I started this job, Jim Harbaugh was uh-huh. the head coach of the 49ers. Nice. Yes, ma'am. When I was growing up in Indianapolis, he mm-hmm. was the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. 
So I'm a little bit oh, fascinated wow. with Jim Harbaugh <laughs> and his entire career. Yeah, I love Harbaugh. He's 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 a, he's, he's a character. Yeah. Do you have any good Harbaugh stories? What's your best Harbaugh story? <sighs> best Harbaugh story. I think it was after practice one day. You know, he was full of khakis. He said he was about to go over to the swim swim team and jump off the platform, right? So he was like, okay. We didn't think nothing of it, but he was serious. You know, he didn't change or nothing. He in his full, in his khakis. Khakis. He, he was, was going to do this. Khakis, T-shirt, socks, hat, glasses. I'm talking about, well, like, he just took it off and just jumped in. You know, it was kind of like. He took right. off his clothes and jumped in the pool? No, he, t- he took off his cleats. Oh, he only took off his shoes. Yeah, it's his cleats and his sweater. But he had a T-shirt, khaki still on, socks, hat. <laughs> what? Like, it was crazy. And he jumped in, and he did it. You know, so it was just like, he's different. He's okay. What Did did you ever find out why he did that? Uh, I don't. But he didn't want to get it. He got his khakis <laughs> all. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why, but. <laughs> That's a pretty good story. It. So it was like, all right, he's, he's pretty fun. You know, he's great coach you know he's loving making sure everybody's you know locked in and engaged you know always there for anybody so i appreciate him a lot man my time that i did there all right i also sure. read that you were an aau basketball standout and you were one yeah. of the top ranked players in junior high i did not even know that they yeah, ranked yeah. aau players in yeah. junior high yeah <laughs> so how, how how did that happen how how were you ranked and what were you uh-huh. really good at um so I fell in love with basketball pretty early. Um, I say basketball is my first sport I fell in love with. Played up until my senior year in high school. Um, so I played AAU a lot. I'm trying to maintain between AAU and football. Sure. But it was it was hard, you know, just being in the weight room and going to the court trying to dribble and losing the ball, you losing your touch. So um, it was it was it was pretty hard to balance. And my football end up my football career ended up taking off like recruiting. So I was I wasn't getting that heavily recruited in basketball, but I had a couple looks. Um, so that's that's kind of where football kind of you know took off from there. But um, I played shooting guard, point. What else? I was the I was played four also. But I could do it all. You could do it all. I could do it all. How tall yeah, were yeah. you? How when um, did you hit your full height? You're like I what say, six four? Yeah, I said I always been tall. I always been the tallest in my class. Okay. And, you know, so oh, I say I always been about six four, six three. In high school. Yeah. I oh, okay. Yeah, you're probably pr- pretty dominant yeah, basketball yeah, player I was, then. Yeah, I was pretty tall in high school. You know, I, I always been the tallest player, no matter what grade I was in. All right, I was reading about your weight because when you started college, you were about well, you were under 200 when you started college, but yeah, then you yeah, went yeah. up. Yes, ma'am. So and I was then like 198. Fi- yeah. First going to college. Sure. And then I ended up being 215 my sophomore year. And then my junior year, I ended up being 230. 230. Okay, so I was going to ask you, was yeah. that by design, or how did that no, happen? No, yes, ma'am. So um, I was playing my whole sophomore year with bilateral hernia, hernias. So um, the end of my sophomore year, I ended up getting a repair. Okay. And um, so I, I missed the entire spring ball, entire beginning of camp, you know, because due to my hernias, I couldn't run, I couldn't lift. Oh, I see. Anything. So, I, you know, I was eating bad, you know, and just working out. So, and it called up to me when I was able to return to the team. You know, I was overweight, out of shape, you know. So, I feel that was a huge mistake on my part, you mm-hmm. know, not being, you know, locked in during the, you know, recovering process. So, yes, yeah, so I played my junior year, 235, 230. You still played year. it that way. Yeah. Played at it, yes, ma'am. And then um came back from my senior year, and that's when I had to tighten up and, you know, make sure what I ate was correctly. And right, because people were impressed with you. Yeah. People were impressed with you at the senior bowl because you would mm-hmm. trim down. You were faster. You were lighter. How did mm-hmm. you? What? How did you lose the weight? Oh, I just watched what I ate. And it just oh, that's out. it. Oh, yeah. it's so easy. It so easy when you're in college. <laughs> you just watch what you eat, yeah. and it all comes off. <laughs> exactly.
All right, so you seem like a pretty laid-back guy, but I feel like most wide receivers have got like a good, a really good diva quality about them. Diva. What's your what's your diva quality? Diva, oh, like man, like I don't, I don't think I'm a diva. like you. you I no, I'm sure you're not, but you know, like what you like your shoes, or you don't like your food touching on your plate. Like, um, there's got to be something that you're kind of particular about. Um, let me see. The way I lace my shoes. Okay. I like so it depends on what kind of shoes I wear. So, for instance, if I wear some Jordan ones. I like like I like to have the laces hang. Okay. Or I like to take them out and um the first hoop in time and the second one. Okay. Kind of almost make it seem like it's kind of like floppy. Okay. A little swag. Um, <laughs> but. Do you ever hide the laces so it's just like? Nah, you can't hide the laces. You never hide the laces. I like to hide, hide the laces sometimes because I feel like you want to see the shoe. Well, not in the Jordans, nah. but like other shoes. Okay, yeah, other shoes. Other shoes. Sometimes see. you want to see the shoe. You don't want to yeah, see the yeah, laces. Yeah, Jordans. You can't hide. The so laces. you're a little bit. So it's just it's the laces. That's it. It's the laces. That's the yeah. best we're gonna get out of you. You're really, you're really pretty laid back. Otherwise. Yeah, I feel like I am. Yeah. I feel like I am. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I feel like I'm just level mind. Just Our headed. social media people said that you like a lot of tweets about napping and sleeping a lot. Is that your is that your hobby? Yeah. Your hobby yeah. is sleeping. I like sleeping. I'm I love, same. I I'm not going to disagree. I, uh -huh. I just love laying down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's the best feeling. You know. Do you, you take cat naps during the day? Uh, I used to, but yeah. now I, just, I don't because I go to sleep kind of early. Yeah. I wake up early. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. You get your sleep in. What time do you go to bed? Nine thirty. Okay. And then you wake up. Uh, Five fifteen. Yeah, that's yeah, not. Yeah, I mean, that's treatment, you're getting you're getting the right amount of sleep. Yeah. I would think. I say no? latest, latest. So I say ten thirty, latest. Okay. Max. No time for naps. Yeah. Maybe in the off season. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love naps in off season, <laughs> especially like after a hard conditioning day. You get done around twelve, go back home, shower, you got the rest of the day chill. Yeah, that's a good nap. That's like a good four hours. That's a great hobby. That's a solid. Nap. I endorse that hobby of <laughs> napping. All right, what about for the rest of the year? Because we've got some games um, still ahead of you. Everything. I just want to get better. Just understanding the offense, understanding the coverages. Working on my game, there's always room for improvement, you know, so I just feel like those things I really want to work on and focus on. But overall, just become a better player, you know, I just want to be there for my teammates, man, um, and just show up on Sundays and make plays for my team. All right, we're looking forward to seeing it, Nico. Thank Thanks so, so much. much for the time. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I don't often use this word in some sense, but what a sweetheart. I mean, just a sweet, nice guy. But you get him on that football field, and, man, he is all about competition i love seeing that all right coming up next it's the interview that actually got the rocks attention yes roy lopez next right here on texans all access it's all access it's all access i know we got a lot of great fans out there but i gotta give some props to one of our biggest fans out there and those are my friends at Daikin. These guys are doing big things in Houston. From comfort and convenience to air quality, Daikin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors as they lead the way to a more sustainable future, reducing carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. As the world's number one air conditioning company, Daikin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. Learn more at perfectingtheair.com. It is our friends at Daikin. Appreciate you being here. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. And in the sixth round of this draft in 2021, I got really excited because Mark Vandermeer actually called it. He called it. He had written a Vandermeer's View mock draft. He does this every year, and he takes the Texans' picks, and he picks them. And I always, I don't criticize it. He's my boss and all. 
But I'm like, okay, you're not getting that guy in the third round. He's probably going to go in the second, all that. Well, on his last version of Vandermock, I think it was 3.0, he, in the seventh round, had actually selected Roy Lopez Jr. to the Texans. So when I saw the Texans had drafted Roy Lopez Jr., Mark didn't realize it right away. I was like, you got one. Look. I mean, I do all the draft stuff, and you got this one. This is awesome. I mean, he was really, as he should be, happy. I called John Grenard the year before. He called Roy Lopez, and both guys are going to end up making a significant impact on this defensive line, hopefully, for a long time to come. Now, when it was put on social media, the fact that Roy Lopez wants to be a wrestler, which he was a wrestler in high school. Now, amateur wrestling, professional wrestling, two totally different things, but I could see Roy Lopez Jr. down the road being a professional wrestler. Well, when that got put on social media... The Rock took notice. Dwayne Johnson took notice of Roy Lopez, and I think it probably made all of our years. Oh, my goodness. The Rock knew about this. He saw this on social media and responded, and that, friends, is really, really cool. So let's talk to Roy Lopez Jr., our good friend D.P. Sidhu, sat down, and D.P. is the one person in our building that can get these players kind of out of their shell. And that's what she did with our man, Roy Lopez. This is great stuff. It's Deep Slant, Roy Lopez with Deep Sidhu. Lovey Smith says he's been really impressed with what you've been able to do so far. But for you, what do you think has been the toughest part about adjusting to playing in the NFL? Right. I mean, the toughest part is just, you know, it's a, it's a job now, you know. So you don't have school, you don't have study hall and all that, to, you know, college. But, you know, so – but also the, at the same time, that's the best part. You know, you just you just have to talk football all day. You know, you watch film, you go to meetings, and, and you know, you just get better. You know, and that's the biggest thing is uh, right now, you know, like you said, you know, being a rookie, that's all you got to do is just get better week after week, and, and you know, numbers will come and, and, and everything like that. So, you know, when I reflect on my weeks and and, uh, and watch film, I just want to make sure I get better individually and be able to help my team and the D-line as a whole. Because at the end of the day, you know, that's my job, you know, to, to just help the team win. Yeah, you don't have to study for, like, a math test <laughs> or write a paper or no. anything like that. You just go, you just go to your meetings and, yeah. and learn about football. Levy said that you're obviously you're, really, you're good against the run, but he said that he, he was impressed with your pass rush. And he said the thing that impressed him was that you could pass rush. So mm-hmm. he said not a knock against you, but it's not really something that you were asked to do a lot of in, in college. So how have you worked on that aspect of your game? I know it's been early so far. Right, but you know, a lot a lot of people don't really um, know like my college road and stuff like that. But you know, I started at New Mexico State, and there I played three technique, and I even played some five technique. You know, that's just DN. You know, and uh, just trying to get one on ones and and do pass rush. You know, I always try to tell people I'm good at pass rush. I can pass rush. You know, I'm not just a run stopper. <laughs> so um, I, I I I've always joked with my coaches. You know, at the collegiate level, even here. You know, uh, Bobby King, he we, we still joke about it to this day. And uh, I was like, I can pass us now. I can, I can do it, you know. You want to see someone third down, you know. But, uh, you know, he just gives me a smile. I was like, yeah, okay, <laughs> you know. But, um, you know, there's, there's, like you said, this this uh, this D-line core is, is, is very talented. It's fun to, to steal things from them and, and do it in practice and look at them and laugh and smile. I'm like, yeah, I just did your move. Like, it's okay. <laughs> but, um, you know, I do it and, and we joke about it. We laugh and, and uh yeah, I'm, I'm part of a great group of uh, D-linemen that kind of feeds off of each other. 
you're taking some of their moves, but I haven't seen anyone attempt your salsa moves because uh, you busted out that salsa dance in the preseason. Uh, how good of a dancer are you? Oh, man. <laughs> is, that, uh, is there more? I feel like there's probably more than just the, the few steps that we see out there on the field. No, I can dance, but I can't dance nothing, nothing too <laughs> just, much. Oh, my family's going to laugh when they see that one. <laughs> it's not like an ex- you're not going to bust out an extended salsa if you ever, like, ran it back for a touchdown or anything like that. We're not going to see something like that. Oh, no, y'all are going to see something totally different. I don't really? know yet. Oh, I don't know. Okay. I got to think about Work that on one, it. but uh a touchdown, that's a different celebration. So. All right. You're really talented because I've heard uh, you also can throw down in the kitchen. You're a pretty good cook. <laughs> uh, have you had a chance to cook for the D-lineman yet? I haven't yet, but uh, I plan to. Um, I'm not that great, but I do like to cook. My family is a big, big, big cooking family. Uh, we throw down, so I definitely ask them for some, some advice on what to cook the D-line. But I will. I want to cook the D-line some dinner. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, was yeah. if when you do cook for the D-line, what's the spread going to look like? It's, it's going to be a, a – Like, what's the menu going to yeah, look like? Yeah, it's going to be a, Mex- a Mexican-type, you know, dish. And okay. It's going to be tacos. It's going to be enchiladas. be rice and beans and, and some chips and some salsa. You know, so, um, you know, be able to have them eat, eat, you know, what I eat and what I can't eat. You know, at the same time, so you know during season you gotta watch what you eat. So I can't I can't be eating that stuff too much, but um, definitely gonna have them over, have some uh, some some corn tortillas and, and, and cheese, and, and give them some grease, you know, for 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 the appetite. But well, you you went to school in New Mexico. I've been in New Mexico before. They've got like New Mex, and then in Texas they've got Tex Mex. Yeah. So yep. how do how do I mean you're a, you seem like a food connoisseur. How do those two compare? Oh the yeah, Mexican food. Yeah, the food is amazing. And in Las in Las Cruces, New Mexico, that's where the rest of the state's at. But the food is is it's, it's really good in New Mexico. Yeah, yeah I agree. It's one of the better parts to go to New Mexico State is for the food. But uh, but no, nah, Houston, the Tex-Mex here is is great. You know, and you know I've only gone like two times because, like I said, I gotta watch what I eat when I'm out here, especially during season. But you know, I've gone to a couple places and it. it you know, blew my expectations away from the jump. You really? Know? So, you mm-hmm. know, I, I grew up in Arizona, so I never really had too much tech specs. But once I came out here, I uh, I experienced it Experienced it, and I understood whatever it was talking about. You see about. what the hype is yeah. about. Okay, so one of the things that we know about you, and I know we've talked about it over and over again, is that you're a wrestler, which um, is kind of a big deal because we've got like four or five wrestlers on this team, which I don't think I ever remember having so many, seeing so many guys that have had wrestling backgrounds. But – I had heard that you used to watch professional wrestling mm-hmm. growing up. So, who was your favorite wrestler and why? Yeah, it was The Rock. You know, oh, it okay. Was, uh, yeah. It was. I mean, that's a favorite though. You know, it's sure. a fan favorite. So I always watched him. I watched Rey Mysterio. Okay. All, all, all the big names, you know. But uh, it was definitely The Rock. I had a little TV that had its own VHS system on it <laughs> at the bottom. And so you seem I had, too young for a VHS system. Oh, you, but you know, at the time, you know, we didn't have you know, enough for a flat screen in my room, you know. So we just had a little box TV. <laughs> it was about this high. And at the, at the bottom, it had a little VHS yeah. spot. And uh, I'd just pop in. It was literally called The Rock. You know, I just popped in a little The Rock video, and, and I'd watch it, I don't know how many times a day. But I had the little action figure, you know, Rock. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, man, my family's going to laugh when they see this. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Well, okay, but, so, so, so you, since you love professional wrestling and you were a wrestler, I feel like, have you ever thought about what your professional wrestling name might be? <laughs> No, I have. You must have. I have. I have it. But what would your character be if you did professional wrestling? Oh man, I don't know. It'd be something, something, uh, something big though. Like you know, kind of like how the Big Show and the Undertaker were. You know, I'd like to. I'd like to 
take over the scene if I ever were to get in that field. But yeah, definitely not. I probably yeah, I probably want to be like a tag team. I probably just you want to be your own act, right? Maybe like I don't know. You you do the salsa. You could be like the salsa instructor. Like well, you gotta have a backstory, you know? Like you could be yeah. like like a part-time salsa instructor who's <laughs> looking for revenge. I don't so know. What would walk your out, my walkout would be like a salsa? Yeah, you like salsa good. out to the to the ring. Um, you, which what you gotta have a finishing move, right? Yeah, you gotta have I'm a sure the fans move. would love it. I'm sure the Just, fans would love it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you gotta. I mean, you're like the, the Rock is a triple threat. You're like a triple threat. You got the cooking. <laughs> you've got <laughs> you've got the dancing. You've got playing football. Like you got right. a lot. You got a lot to draw off of. Right. Yeah. Um, my sister and her husband. You know, my brother-in-law are actually very big WWE fans. Okay. So I'm sure they've thought about it. I'm sure they've thought about what sort of finishing move I have. So, you know, I can ask them, and I'm sure they'll give me some good ideas. But there's a there's a guy, he has long hair, and they always, like, used to joke about me, you know, with my hair and him. I forget his name right now. but There are yeah. a lot of wrestlers. Well, like back in the day when it was WWF, there were a lot of wrestlers with right. long hair. Right. I feel like you got the whole look going on. This yeah. is something <laughs> – Roy, I'm going to be disappointed if you don't come up with a nickname – a backstory and a finishing move for yourself <laughs> at some point in your career because this, it's you just you fit the bill really well. All right, so is this giving you any ideas for potential celebrations? Oh man, for the touchdown? Yeah, I feel like we've done the salsa, we've talked about cooking, we've talked yeah, about wrestling. Yeah, it, the thing is, if I score a touchdown, it'll definitely be a group celebration, right? It's not just going to be an individual because I like you know when you unlike see on your TV, wrestling career, right? Which, okay. When you see on TV, you know in and the whole defense gets in a line and they start doing something or they'll do like a bowling skit or something. <laughs> Those are the funniest Those ones. Those are really funny. You know, so that's definitely something, you know, I would try to do. You know, if a touchdown's in my future, um, I would like to get everybody incorporated. That way it's funny. You know, we can record it. I'll keep it, you know, forever and be able to look at it and laugh and everybody will look back on it and laugh and uh, hopefully make like the team highlight tape and all this stuff. Oh, that I think for sure it will. All right, what about for you for the rest of the year? What what are some of the things that you want to work on to really get better here in your rookie year? Right. You know, it goes back to just being better every week. I just want to improve every week, whether it's stopping the run, rushing the passer, you know, holding the bag. You know, that's all That's all I want to do. I want to keep improving. That way, you know, when I go to bed at night and, and you know, I can be happy with, you know, and look myself in the mirror and say, you know, I improved. And uh, whether it's watching film and, and, and you know, talking to the vets and, and you know sometimes I might ask too many questions because I'm just in their ear you know I just want to know and uh, you know I talk to uh, Jacob Martin a lot I talk to Malik Collins a lot talk to Vincent Taylor a lot you know and I just try to learn you know because they've been in it you know the average time in the NFL I think is three years you know so and all these guys are past three years so they're doing something right you know so it's good to ask questions and, and learn from them and uh, you know just kind of pick their brains and just keep growing so that way, you know, when I'm in their shoes five, six, seven years down the line, hopefully, you know, if God blesses me to play that long, you know, I'll be able to tell the rookies, you know, I was in your shoes, you know, I can answer your questions, you know. So that's what I look forward to. Well, we're looking forward to seeing more of you this season, Roy. Always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us Thank today. Thank you. I appreciate you. Back in 2016, I remember the Texans. I can't remember if the Texans had six and seven round picks. I know they didn't have many at that point. So they have moved out of the 6th and 7th round, and the last pick of the 2016 draft was a young man by the name of DJ Reader. And I had known DJ's story. I knew all about it, what had happened to his dad, him walking away from football. But I also watched at the Senior Bowl, DJ Reader completely and totally wrecked dudes. 
So when I thought back to that 2016 draft a few years later, it had Will Fuller, it had Nick Martin, it had Braxton Miller, you had Tyler Irvin, uh, you had the safety from West Virginia whose name off the top of my head, I can't, K.J. Dillon. And yet, it was that last pick of the 2016 draft that I thought, this dude's a player. He is a really, really good player. Last pick of the draft. Fast forward five years. DJ Reader became one of the better interior players, basically priced himself out of any money the Texans had, is making about $13, 14000000 million a year, turning himself into the player we all knew he could be. You insert Roy Lopez as the last pick in the Texans' 2021 draft, and he's doing the same thing. Now, is he doing it like DJ? Well, DJ didn't start until about halfway through that 2016 season, and then he was only playing with Vince Wilfork, Kind of in and out, if you will. He wasn't a full-time starter. He became one. Roy has become a starter earlier. Now, does it pan out the same way that Roy continues to be disruptive as DJ was? Hopefully. But last pick in the draft 2016, DJ Reader. Last pick in the draft 2021, Roy Lopez. Those two dudes are showing they are well, well worth the pick. Another guy who's well worth the pick in the fifth round was Brevin Jordan. We'll talk to the rookie next right here on Texans All Access. All right, Texans All Access. All right, Texans All Access. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, your host. And it's time to catch up with our third rookie tonight. That is Brevin Jordan. Sat down with D.P. Sidhu, and he had a little quiz later in the segment. D.P., take it away. How has the season been for you so far? It's been good. It's been a learning curve. You know, I'm, I'm under guys like Jordan Akins and Anthony Alclair and Farrell Brown, even guys like Quiz, man. I mean, the room I'm in, they're they're leaders. They're true pros. So being able to learn under those guys, I mean, Akins is 29. I'm only 21 years old. So to get a different, a more grown aspect on how to be a pro has is, is been really helpful. I love that you said you almost threw up after you scored the first <laughs> touchdown. Yeah. You didn't, though. I didn't. Which, I kept it strong. Uh, that's great. That's, yeah. That would have been interesting. Very. Um, any other big moments in your life that have induced that sort of uh, reaction from you? Have you ever yeah, felt that actually, way before? Yeah. So the first game my sophomore season in college against Florida. So I scored, and they we brought out the touchdown rings. That was the first year we brought out the touchdown rings. and I stood up and legit had the same feeling, but I kept it strong. <laughs> kept the player. Had to keep it moving. That's pretty good. Yes, I ma'am. think, um, yeah, you don't want that on the highlight reel. Not at all. All right, so you were inactive for the first seven games, and then you got to, to start in, in week eight. So, you know, what is that like when you're preparing for the game all the way up to Sunday? You don't get to play. I mean, but how much does that help you in your preparation, your pregame rituals, just getting ready to actually play? How much did that really set you up for when you actually did go out there and play? Oh, it helped me a lot. It, it, it had me ready to go at all times. I mean, going into the week every week since I since I started playing last week, I've take, taken the approach that I'm playing. So every week I'm preparing and I'm, I'm studying the notes and the game plan as much as, I, as if I'm playing. So being, being in the locker room before the game, not suiting up, and I'm seeing how guys are moving. I'm seeing Brandon Cooks constantly doing band work and, and Pharaoh's jump roping and just all these guys just have different rituals. And so I'm just slowly picking it all up. But then, you know, when it was game time, I was ready to go. Did you pick up a ritual for yourself? Did you have one when you are at Miami? I did. So I got in the hot tub before the game, and I was just in there for like 20 minutes. I was starting to sweat, and I didn't want to go out there dehydrated, so I went and got an IV too. But 
get in a hot tub. Somebody relax. else said they get in the hot tub. Chris Moore said he did that, and I yeah. thought that would be relaxing, but I think it's it's just to get your muscles warmed so. up and loose. Right. Maybe. I'm not sure. I saw a lot of other guys do it, so I kind of just <laughs> like, I'm going to do that too. Yeah. Are you going to start jump roping or maybe no. see what? No. Yeah, no, that's no, not going Brown lost me with that one. I don't know what he's doing with that one. <laughs> he's getting his steps in. Yeah. Uh, David Cauley said that you were a steal when the Texans drafted you in the fifth round, but a lot of people thought you would get drafted sooner. What was... What was that like for you, just getting drafted? I mean, did you feel like you should have gone sooner? Did you have a chip on your shoulder? What was what was that whole experience like? For the you? draft process for me was very scary, to be honest with you. I was, I was, it was not a fun. I mean, the process going into it was fun, but draft day was very. It was just a lot of anxiety. Like I didn't know how to feel, how to. It was just weird. I mean, once the Houston Texans called me and Casario was on the phone and Cully was on the phone, it, it, everything just went away. I was just like, I'm a Houston Texan. I'm gonna show everybody what's up. Did you want to throw up then? No, <laughs> I didn't. I, as soon as they called me, I started crying. I just burst it out into tears. Oh, that's yeah, nice. It was very, it was unbelievable. So you weren't disappointed that it was the fifth round, like you not weren't. At all. You had no expectations. Yeah, not at all. You were a three-year starter at Miami. You said you worked your way into the lineup as a freshman, so you got to start games. You you chose Miami over a number of different schools. Right. I saw that you chose Miami over Florida, Florida State, Georgia. What made you want to choose Miami over some of the other schools? So it was honestly, I had a very e- like easy recruiting process. So my top three schools was Miami, Michigan, and UCLA. So I visited UCLA, and it was just too much like home to me. It was, you know, I'm from Las Vegas, so it's a 30-minute flight, 45-minute oh, flight. Oh, okay. So it was just too much like home. And then Michigan, it was just, I'm from Las Vegas, so it was cold out there. Like too different. Too different. I had to wear snow boots and a snow jacket yes, when I went out there. Yes. And then I went to Miami, and. You know, at the time, they were number two in the country. They were very big on the tight end tradition. And at the time, they were 10-0. and 0. So I was just like, oh, this is awesome. And the beach and the palm trees, it was just Well, yeah, that's that's going to be a nice sell. Well, right. Did you ever consider going to school in Texas? No, not no. at all. I, I mean, I'm not a country guy. I'm, like, from Las Vegas. You're I'm from like, the city. I'm from a huge city, so I was, I was like, I need to go. I mean, Houston's pretty big. Are, were you surprised that you are to now living in Houston? Yeah, to be honest with you, I thought when I first got drafted to Houston, I thought it was, like, a lot of, like, cows you know, farms and stuff. But then when I came out here and I heard it's like top three most diverse cities in America and just the food out there out here is beautiful. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, people, Houston wins people over really, uh, really quick. It won me over very quick. Really quick? Very quick. You you said you wanted to go to Miami because it was tight in you, but you're really good as a pass catcher. So why did you not ever play wide receiver? Why are you a tight end? Um, I give a lot of thanks to that to my freshman football coach, Rob Bergman. Uh, he moved me to tight end. So I actually wanted as a to hi- play. In high school? Yes, in okay. high school as a freshman. I wanted to play receiver, but at the time I was, you know, I was a 6'3", 200-pound kid. I was as freshman football, I was Wait, and as a freshman, you were 200 yeah, pounds? Yeah, oh, I was a okay. big little kid. But, I mean, <laughs> big I was just kid. bigger than everybody. So he just moved me to tight end, and I stuck with it, and I actually really fell in love with the position. Okay, so you never had the desire to just be a receiver nah, and just catch? Nah, All right, you, you mentioned high school. You went to high school in Nevada. Bishop Gorman, uh, which is like a powerhouse when right. it comes to football. Right. I think you were part of the ninth straight state Something. title. Honestly, I couldn't even tell you. Okay. Like that. What was that like going to a high school that was just? I mean, did you guys have scouts out there every single week oh, watching every, your game? Oh, we had scouts out there every day almost. I mean, th- the reason we were so good in high school, like obviously we have the nice facilities and you know we're we're considered a powerhouse, but I think it was the camaraderie that the guys in that locker room have. I'm still best friends with a lot of those guys. I mean, Tay Martell, Bubba Bolden, Biagio Ali Walsh. I'm friends with all of those guys. So it was, it was really how close we are, how close we were as friends. And then I learned. From what I learned in high school, I took it to college with me and just about, you know, being close. Because when you hang out off the field, it, the connection is so much tighter on the field. 
All right. And there were some famous alumni that went there as well. I looked it up because I was like, this high school sounds right. so familiar. DeMarco Murray. Yep. Ronnie Stanley. Have yep. you ever met any famous alumni that went to your high school? Have you ever I mean, in touch you, with them? Would you consider Cardell Broadus famous? Sure. Snoop sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cordell. I mean, who else? Gorman is a powerhouse, though. So, I mean, a lot of people who are considered, I guess, famous, like – but it's they've gone. Much. They've gone on to have professional careers, right, right. so they may not be like right. a Demarco Murray. But right. yeah, they've got names in the NFL and they've right. had careers in the NFL. All right, your dad was drafted by the Falcons, and yes, I know ma'am. you talked about this after uh, the Texans drafted you as well. Ninth round of the 1990 draft, yep. but he never played because right. he he suffered a shoulder injury in, yeah. in training camp yeah. or preseason. Yeah, that's pops, man. Shout out my pops. He actually he passed away my senior year of high school. You know, shout out my dog, Daryl Jordan. You already know, but um, yeah, man, he was. He, that's why I think we got the love of football from. Cause I mean, yeah, he had a he has a huge book, like a collection of like old newspaper stuff from when he got drafted, and you know, setting records in high school. So I mean, we could, me and my two brothers, we got a hold of that book, and it was over with. We were like, we're playing football. What position did your dad play? He played linebacker and tight end actually, but he mainly linebacker. Linebacker and tight end. Yes, ma'am. I read somewhere that when you were five, your mom put you in football, and she wanted them to play you on defense. <laughs> That, was that because of your that's dad? Actually, that's, I, I, no, I don't think it was because of my dad. I think it was because I was only five years old, and I was playing up with my older brother. He was eight, so I was just looking like a little little child out there. Like I was just <laughs> smaller than everybody, so my mom was like, don't put the ball in his hands. Or I'm gonna <laughs> He's going to get drilled. Yeah, Beverly Jordan does not play about the stuff like that. Okay, so um, you, you mentioned being only 21 years old. You are officially the youngest player on this roster. Wow. I don't know if you know that. Wow. July 16, 2000, Danny Amendola is the oldest. He's 15 years older than you. <laughs> Um, I've been watching Danny Amendola since I was like nine years old. <laughs> did, I told him that first did day. Did you I was tell him that? Building. First day I met him, I told him, I was like, bro, I've been watching you since I was like nine years old. Did he take that as a compliment he or was, was like, he? Bro, don't make me feel old. Yeah. Everybody says the same thing. I told David Johnson and Brandon Cooks the same thing. <laughs> You've been watching that. Well, I mean, you probably could have watched both of these kids, like right. most, most of these players when you were a kid because Literally, like, you are so young. Nine, 10, 11 years old. I was watching all these guys. Okay, so you were the youngest player. Is there another player in the locker room that you think is really like the youngest at heart? Like, let's take age out of it. I would honestly say Farrell Brown and Jordan Akins, truthfully. I mean, it's not even. I'm not even trying to be like. I could see. I mean, uh, Jordan's kind of quiet. I could see Farrell. Right. Jordan's quiet, but he's not quiet with. With the tight ends. He's he is a goofball. Okay. The dude is a hilarious. He's hilarious, and same with Farrell. Farrell's personality is so big. Like I think yeah. Farrell's 27, 28 years old. Yeah. The dude's really like 17 years old. <laughs> so he loves to mess with me. Always doing something to me. I'm like, all right, dude. All right, so I have been told that since you were born in 2000, you're not going to know what these pictures are. I think that you're going to know them. <laughs> All right, let me see them. So I'm going to I'm going to show you these pictures. All right, seriously? Is that a is that what is uh, that's the um the little game the little ah hold on I know what it is it's the I'm, case isn't that a case for like one of the little games? <laughs> it's a floppy disk. Uh, these are floppy disks. You don't know what these are? No, I sadly don't. Oh my gosh. Okay, okay, hang on. What is this? That's a tape recorder. Oh, <laughs> is a, am I wrong? It's a pager. I love how he asked, am I wrong, not am I right? He's wrong. It's a pager. Good grief. <laughs> oh, man. Floppy disks and pagers. Hello, 90s. My goodness. All right, we get back. A guy that was ripping it up here in the city of Houston in the 90s before he ended up going off to college up in the Metroplex. My man, Drew Doherty, he's with me next for a little in the lab right here in Texans All Access. We've got one hour down, one hour left to go on this beautiful Friday evening of Texans All Access. I am your host, football analyst, sideline reporter John Harrison. So glad to be with you. Whether you call it the bye week or the off week, guess what? 
It doesn't freaking matter. What matters, the Texans game on Sunday. So we all got to figure out, like, what are we going to do? What do we do? Well, most of us are going to watch the red zone, probably. Some of us might say, you know what, I'm going to the beach. Or, you know what, I'm going to brunch. Although, for some people, it's just breakfast, because that's just when they get up in the afternoon. So, either way, Texans don't play. They will play the following week in Tennessee at 1, I think Nashville's on the Eastern Time. So, if you're in Nashville, I think it's 1 p.m. local time. But it'd be noon here for noon kick. And then after that, three straight home games. And I'm telling you right now, I can't wait. After we played the Patriots, we went road Colts, road Cardinals. We came home for one game, then played... Uh, Miami, then by, then at Tennessee. So from October 9th, 10th, something like that. I can't remember exactly the day. From the Patriots game all the way to the Sunday heading into Thanksgiving week, we would have played one home game. One. One. There will be more Disney on ice performances in that time at NRG Stadium, then we will have played home games. So, thankfully, during the holiday season, we will be here for the most part. Five of the last seven at home, the only two road games. The final two will be Jacksonville and San Francisco, one we've been to, one we haven't been to since 2013. So, got that to look forward to in the final seven weeks. You also, if you're a teacher, have Monday to look forward to when you get the kiddos back in the classroom. So, what do you do? Well, if you teach third, fourth grade math, how about a little Toro's Math Drills presented by ConocoPhillips? Toro's Math Drills, the video series designed to help those third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. All you got to do is go to HoustonTexas.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. Now, if you're wondering, eh, does it really work? I can't speak to Toro's Math Drills exactly, but I can tell you that I've done that before with my classroom I did it in physics. I brought in football into the classroom. I wrote an entire test based on, and at the time I was living in Jacksonville, on the Florida-Georgia game and put it all in football terms, used football terms. I don't know. Maybe it was coincidence, but the kids did better on that test than they did on any other test the rest of the year. That taught me something. Bring football to your classroom. You'll get them to learn math, physics, whatever it is. Now, um, I don't know if that works in English, but it definitely works in math and physics. I can absolutely promise you that. All right. Each and every week, Drew Doherty and I, we sit down and we do the In the Lab podcast. And we talk about any number of things. We did that. We talked about one thing in particular I haven't talked too much about, but we hit that early And it was really about my afternoon on Sunday, last Sunday, against the Miami Dolphins. Take a listen. It's in lab. Drew Doherty and myself, John Harris. In the lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. Hey, man, it's bye week. You just chilling on the beach? <laughs> man, I wish I were chilling on the beach, Drew. Uh, I mean, it is nice. I will say, living in Houston, you can at least get to Galveston in a short amount of time. And I wish I wish I were there. But you know what? I'm going to be working this weekend. I got Sam Houston and Eastern Kentucky at right. noon on Saturday. I'll be working with my buddy Tom Franklin. 
Sweet. Uh, so I'll call that game. Uh, so I'll be working, but maybe Sunday might take Jack down to the beach and just kind of sit and chill and watch all the games on my phone on Red Zone. That just shows you how much life has changed, man. You can watch Red Zone on your phone no matter where you are. It's crazy. We can just look at the ocean. You can always do that. Or the Gulf, excuse me, the Gulf of Mexico. That's true. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Sunday, but let's talk about what you did because you were not on the sidelines like you normally are on a radio broadcast for the Houston Texans. You were up in the booth next to Vandermeer. Yeah. What was it that was- like? How'd that all come about? Give the lowdown, give the background. How much fun was it, et cetera, yeah. so on? Yeah, we, it was, um, you know, Mark told me told me for sure on Friday because uh, Andre was going to be out and and unable to do it. So he just said, you're up. And I know he was, I, I knew, and I know Mark, I knew he was panicking about it. Like, oh my God, you know, what's going to happen? And I mean, I've done plenty of college games. Like I just said, I've got Sam Houston. I did, I did three Sam Houston games in the spring. I've already done two of them this fall. I've done another one. So I've, you know, really gotten a lot more reps uh, at calling the game. And you know me, I mean, I sit at home and, you know, talk to the TV and, Sure. All that kind of stuff. So I've been kind of working on it for a while. So, you know, we get to Miami. You also talk to the TV in public. Just yes, I do. Yes, I do. I do. I and I have no issue with that. Uh, Nor do I. I don't have. I don't mind. Some other people do, but, but yeah, I got to stand, uh, stand literally next to Mark, and we were in this tiny, tiny booth, and it was funny because Mark had said a couple times about how he didn't like the booth in Miami, but you know, once the ball was was kicked off, it was. Here's what I see. And, and roll with it and just try to do what I, I what you and I do in the lab, you know, have a little fun, uh, try and make sure that I, I make my points clear, not try to have, you know, proper subject verb agreement with everything. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it, the, the, the hard part, I guess, so to speak, is that, you know, a lot of people that I know would, would normally have listened or would listen, they're, they're watching the game. So right. they're, they're just going to take it in that way. But, um, it was, it was, uh, really, it was, in, it was enjoyable. I really enjoy it. It's a different view. Obviously, you know how I am about being on the sidelines. There's a lot you can see, but being right. up a little higher, there's a lot you can see. You can see the coverages and, and things, which I like to look at having played defensive back many, many years ago. So I could see a lot more from that perspective, but I wasn't totally sure why, like how nervous I would be. Um, and really, um, you know, I, I always hear Ryan Rocket, who is back in the studio, mm-hmm. produces our games. I hear him say, you know, one minute, 30 seconds, one you know, normal, normal situation. And I get like a little butterflies, but, you know, we'll be OK. And I just I just didn't. I just, you know, realized, you know, Mark and I have been doing radio for however long. And that's really, you know, what it was. It's just it's radio with the game going on and yeah. try and bring that to, to everybody listening. So it was uh, it was really it was uh, it was fun from from that perspective not so fun to not come home with a w and that was probably the hardest part yeah was when there were emotional plays my buddy tyler sudarth was giving me a little bit of grief a little while ago because he played back one of the sack calls from mark and i just i was kind of getting excited and it was one of those where i was really like oh and i kind of got caught with oh and then mark i thought, he, I thought mark was done talking and so I started to say like, oh, so it comes off sounding really kind of weird, but funny nonetheless. And I think that's the big thing is just, you know, laugh at it. And, um, you know, next time that might, you know, I don't know, maybe way, way down the road. And maybe I do more games like that. That'll be my signature sack call. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. We'll <laughs> it was fun. Because Andre's going to be back. It's, yeah. it's not a permanent thing. But yeah, I thought yeah, absolutely. I'd 
got to bring that up. I mean, that's a big deal. You're, you're down there. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, and I you and I traded that, some texts. Sometimes uh, we will trade texts during <laughs> games. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we traded a few on Sunday. What are you going to do with, with this time off though? You, you talked about how you're going to call the, the game and, you know, later in the week, there's not as like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there's not as much work as you, you normally, we normally would have during a game week when you have a buy in there. You still got yeah. stuff because you still got to put the radio shows up, but yeah. not as much as, as you normally would. Well, if I knew how to share my screen, and I don't even know if I know how to do this, but if I could, if I knew how to share my screen, and I'm sure, wait, let's see if I can do this. Uh, yeah, share screen is desktop green. One. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that did anything. I don't know if anybody can see anything, but this, this, is, this is what uh, I can't do it. Anyways, point being, um, I'm working on my 2022 draft board. Uh, cool. I mean, that's, what I've, that's what I've really been working on all day, and I actually have got the linebackers uh, up in front of me, the off-the-ball linebackers, not the edge guys, but uh, you know, guys like N'Kobe, Jean, N'Kobe Dean from Georgia, Brandon Smith from Penn State, you know, Devin Lloyd from Utah. Those all be names. Presumably, if those guys all declare for the draft, that um, everybody's going to want to – they're going to want to get to know a little bit. Um, and whether the Texas draft linebacker or not, but those are going to be names that you'll hear at that position. But that's actually what I've got up in front of me right now, the linebackers, uh, off-the-ball linebackers. So I've been going through my, my draft board database. And, you know, during the year, Drew, I, just, I, I, I write a lot for my site, footballtakeover.com, but then I don't always – take that and put it just because of time constraints. I don't always put that back in my, my draft database. So that's what I've actually been doing is all the things I've written, you know, mm -hmm. different scouting notes and things. I've put them actually in my database so I can have it all in one central location. Like I always do. So just kind of updating that and having it ready to go. And I feel like I'm further ahead of the game this year, just having watched more, done more scouting reports, but that actually is what the, the bye week is going to be for me. Kind of get caught up on some college games I've missed and, you know, do a few more scouting reports as I'm watching games and things like that. How about you? I know you're going to spend time obviously with the family, but what else you got planned? Yeah, it's mainly family stuff. We got some uh, final flag football. Well, it could be a final flag football game, but it might not. If they win, they're playing in the, the title game a week from Saturday. But nice. yeah, just stuff like that. And then I know I just sent you earlier today one-on-one -on -one I did a where are they now with Vontae Leach oh yes fullback the co-pilot Santa Claus yeah he uh, he wore many hats <laughs> when he was here it was a fun conversation yeah definitely want to check that out if you can't listen to it on uh, Texans radio with John make sure y'all uh listening or watching right now go to houstontexans.com or the mobile app and it'll be up there if, if it's not already and then also got one with Glover Quinn Ooh. GQ is yeah. alive and well he's doing well back here in the Houston area he too is coaching some football, not flag, but some tackle football, but they've got a big game Saturday as well. But we talked about, you know, his time in Juco back in Mississippi and, and going yeah. to New Mexico, coming here, you know, leaving here, which you and I can agree. And I think most everyone who's ever followed, this is one of the big mistakes in yep. franchise history was yep. letting Glover go and everything that followed thereafter. Glover went on to Detroit and he became a pro bowler there. He had 19 interceptions yeah. just in Detroit alone. Oh. Finished his career with 24 total. 19 is the number that tops the franchise leaderboard here with Jonathan Joseph and Kareem Jackson. So he had a great career in Detroit. But anyways, I got a, I had a conversation with him, and I'm going to get that to you later in the week as well, John. Where's Glover, where's Glover coaching right now? Southwest side, 
Gotcha. You know, I don't want to get too specific no, either way, the, yeah. but yeah, he's yeah, doing well. He's, you know, he's kind of uh, in the area. and That's uh, awesome. Yeah. I That's mean, really cool. He's one you of the cool Houston Texans, you know, he really is. You bring you bring up a really you know that, that's a that's a great in the lab for down down the road. Let's do it this the, off season. Yeah, in in the off season, talking about kind of pivotal, kind of pivotal moves, and and what they meant. And I think the Glover Quinn one is one of the most underrated ones. The fact that they did not want to bring Glover Quinn back, and they wanted to go out and get Ed Reed, and that just what a disaster that was. And then you see Glover continue to grow. And I think what hurt Glover, and, and, and look, Glover was going to do it, but he started his career at corner. Right. And it wasn't one of those things where he was not totally successful. You know, he was okay, but he was a rookie learning the game. He and Kareem Jackson. Yeah. I mean, it was tough. He but was a good, he was a good safety, corner. Yeah, he was a good yeah. corner that became a really great safety. Right. And I didn't get a chance to get into this with him, but what if way back when yeah, they moved it. him and Kareem to safety? Yes. You know, but and we're going to get into this deeper in the offseason. It's a promise. It's twofold, man. Not, you know, that that decision not to resign him just football wise, what right. it meant. And right. then locker room wise, psyche wise, but football wise, right. think about it. You don't sign him. You pay the money to Ed Reed. Right. You also draft DJ Swearinger. Right. You also sign the next year Raheem Moore or two years right. later, Raheem Moore. Right. Spent a lot of money on safeties when you could have just kept and, and spent money on the guy who was already in the system and I, already playing pretty well and, and on his way up. I'm with you. I, I, I hated seeing GQ go. And at the time I was in a different radio station and the guy at the radio station, the producer at the radio station knew somebody very close to Glover and he was kind of updating me. And so I knew before we got the free agency that Glover was probably gone. I think still there were people in Houston that were worried about it. I had pretty much heard from him, no, he's not coming back. And I just thought, man, it is just. He wanted to, he says. Man, yeah. this is so difficult because I think the move of Kareem Jackson was three years too late. I think if you put Kareem Jackson back there. I'd say it's Glover five years. Quinn, I'd say five years, man. Yeah. I mean, how, however you want to look at it. But if you would have put Kareem Jackson back at safety with Glover Quinn and then Quentin Dempson kept those three together, and those are your three guys that handle your safety position, you would have been rock solid from 2011 all, I mean, for, for God knows how long. I mean, God, I, you know, I'd say seven years too. I mean, they should have, in retrospect, and it's so easy to say this, but in retrospect, you should have done it in 11. Yeah. And, I mean, Kareem, I think, is, I mean, in Denver, he's been a tremendous safety. And I know how, I know how guys are when they play the position. Like, look, and I think Jalen Ramsey will go through this at some point. He's so uber talented. But he's going to get to a point where he's like, you know, cornerback is and nickel's not my – I got to go back to safety. Well, he played safety in college. Kareem never did, but you can just tell the skills he had. But yeah. if you had those three guys, you, I mean, you were been set at the safety position for a long time. Instead, you spent a lot of money on Raheem Moore that didn't work out. Um, luckily, you got Quentin Demps, you know, over on the, the Walmart bargain bin in the 2015 training camp, yeah. like three weeks in, and what he turned into for you uh, at that particular position. You know, you went out and got Tyron, but you weren't able to keep him. But, you know, if you could have kept healthy Kevin Johnson, A.J. Boye, and J. Joe, such that Kareem could have moved to safety, your your secondary would have been even more lights out than it was back in 15, 16, 17. Fun stuff is always there with Drew Doherty and myself, John Harris, the In the Lab crew. Go check out all of our podcasts, Vandermeer's View, Deep Slant. You've heard a few of those with our rookies tonight. Uh, and then, of course, what Drew and I do with 
in the lab. Go check out our Texans podcast. Okay, when we get back, it's my favorite segment all week. That's when I get to be competitive and challenge myself with every single NFL game straight up and against the spread. No Texans game, so I don't have any heart or head to have to battle to make a pick. But I got all the other games in the NFL. That's coming up next right here on Texans All Access. 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 Oh, baby, welcome back. Friday night, Texans All Access. On a bye week, off week, whatever you call it, I am your host for this show, as I have been the last seven years. This makes eight years from six to eight. During the season, you heard my voice, and hopefully you will continue to hear my voice if it doesn't go out on me because I get pumped. I get jacked to do my weekly pick Straight up and against the spread. Now brought to you by my friends at Caesars Rewards. For every way you play, Caesars Rewards is where you go. Yeah, they jumped on and I can't thank them enough for their help with uh, giving me the opportunity to do these picks and have sponsors. It's really, really cool. I like having friends. I like having sponsors. So, let's get into this. Now. Each and every week I tell you I don't pick against my heart, my head, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't have to do that this week because no Texans game. We'll wait until they play the Titans, and the Titans have got a big one. We will get to that actually very, very early in our game predictions. I feel just first glance, I feel like... It's probably not the type of weekend where you go, oh, I got this game, I got that game, I got this game, I got that game. However, that's the weekend, and those are the weekends that you have to be most aware of. Those are the ones where you're like, uh, look out. Yeah, it might look like 2-7 and seven versus, I don't know, 7-1, and one, but look out. Just like last week, the Bills and Jaguars. I know I missed that one. I know full well I missed that one. I didn't think there was any chance in Hades that after 31-7 to up in Seattle, after a bye week before that Jacksonville Jaguars are going to turn around, hold the Bills to six points, and score nine and win the game by three. Five field goals. I'm telling you, and I said this uh, to my friend Don Sanders the other night, and his son Brett, it's the best Reality show going the NFL. All right, let's get these picks going. I need my music, and it's time to rock, as Mark likes to say. All right, we're going north, up 45, to Arlington, where the Dallas Cowboys got absolutely blitzed by the Broncos, the Teddy Bridgewater Broncos. The Broncos that were 4-4 four and four came into Arlington and spanked the Cowboys, and it was bad. I think it ended up being 30-16, but it was maybe worse than that. Now, the Tricky Falcons are coming to town. And by tricky, I mean you have no idea. The Falcons should have won in Miami, but actually did win in Miami. The Falcons had other opportunities where they should have lost, but they won. They had opportunities where they should have won, but they lost. Which makes them 4-4, four and four, which probably makes about the most sense. Matt Ryan's playing out of his gourd. He's been unbelievable. However, Dallas is a nine-point favorite. 
Remember when I said earlier about games this weekend? Be very, very careful. Now, Dallas is playing at home, and they're probably going to bounce back. So I feel confidence level on this 8.75, that the Cowboys will get the win, and they will get the cover. But it's not going to be by much. 37, 27, 31, 21, 38, 28. It's going to be 10 points, and it's just barely going to get over. I don't think it's going to get much over than that. But the Cowboys will bounce back. Dak back in the fold for a second week. I think they'll find the rhythm again. Cowboys have moved to 7-2. Falcons will fall to 4-5. and five. But again, every time I talk about the Falcons, i got to give kudos to Arthur Smith. I think he's doing a whale of a job. Matt Ryan has done it's played incredibly well. I can see the Falcons staying in this for a little bit, but the Cowboys will run off at the end and get the win and the cover. Now, that Titans game is in Nashville. And it's the Saints coming to town with Trevor Simeon as the starting quarterback. Sean Payton announced that earlier on Friday that Trevor Simeon would be the starting quarterback. Taysom Hill will stay in his Swiss Army knife role. However, Simeon will not have Alvin Kamara. He's already without Michael Thomas who has had a setback with his injury. He's going to have surgery, I believe. So there's no Michael Thomas, a receiver. Now there's no Alvin Kamara. The Titans are favored by three, and the game's in Nashville. And typically, the home team gets a three-point bump. So if you're doing the math, Vegas feels like the Saints and the Titans are even. I don't think that. Not with Kamara out of this game. Now with Michael Thomas out of this game, I know Derrick Henry's not in this game. And I said the other night, I do think there's going to be some regression back to the, well, the new mean for the Titans. But I don't think it happens here because I don't think the Saints can take advantage of it. So I'm going to go with the Titans to win this thing and cover that three and hope that in doing so, it's a physical game. They get beat up a little bit. And then we swoop in next week after the bye. We clip them. That's what I'm hoping for. So let's go Titans to win and to cover that three to move to eight and two, which I believe would be the best record in the AFC. My goodness. AFC South battle in Indy. The Jags, fresh off that win against the Buffalo Bills, taking on the Indianapolis Colts, which, by the way, keep your eyes peeled for this. If you have HBO or HBO Max, The 17th, Hard Knocks in season. I mean, they came up with such a great name. Hard Knocks in season. Like they couldn't come up with anything else? Well, that's what they came up with. They've been following around the Indianapolis Colts. So I think one of the first games they were at was our game against them. So, yeah, who knows? Uh, When T.Y. Hilton went off, they'll be there for this one. I can't wait to see the uh, result on the 17th. But just a heads up. I like good programming, so I'm trying to help you out. Colts are four and five. They just came off a win against the New York Jets last Thursday. So they had a little bit of the mini buy. Now they get ready for the Jaguars hot off that win against the Bills. Indianapolis favored by 10 and a half. I think the Colts are going to smoke the Jags. I think the Jags will have a hard time stopping Jonathan Taylor. I think Carson Wentz, he won't be throwing touchdowns to offensive linemen, but I do think Michael Pittman. We'll get in the end zone. 
Colts are going to win this thing. I'm saying 28-14. Something along those lines. That's more than 10.5. So let's go Colts. Cover and win at home over Trevor and the Jags. All right. This game, on the surface, a few weeks ago, eh, didn't look like much. It really didn't. Other than it's Bill Belichick returning to his first head coaching job, the city he lived in. That was Cleveland with Browns v. Patriots. But the Browns shipped Odell Beckham Jr. out. Baker Mayfield in the offense hit a different gear against the Bengals last week. And Mac Jones for the Patriots has been as hot as any quarterback, really, getting the Patriots to a few wins. And the game, actually, the game's not in Cleveland. It's in Foxborough. So the Browns have to go on the road. And, oh, by the way, the Browns will be playing without Nick Chubb and Demetric Felton. So with no Chubb, well, okay, we can change things up. We got Felton, use him out of the backfield, use him in a Weapon X role. We're good to go. That's out too. Kareem Hunt, going to be the guy. They still have Dearness Johnson. So I'm not going to cry my beer, or anyone will, for the Browns. But the Patriots have played very, very well. And I think the Patriots continue this. I think Mac Jones will riddle that Browns defense. And the Browns will have to resort to some exotic blitzes, multiple blitzes. I think Mac continues to beat that. I think the Patriots favored by two and a half. I think the Patriots cover that two and a half and get the win. It's going to be relatively high scoring. But I'm going 35 31. Patriots win over the Browns with no chub. I think Baker airs it out a little bit more, gets everybody involved. But the Patriots are going to pull this win off at home. That makes the Patriots 6 and 4. And the Browns would move to 5 and 5. Wow. Did I just do that? Did I just pick the Patriots over the Browns? Now, I know most every other year I would have, but this year, yikes. I really like what I've seen with Mac Jones. I just did not give him as much credit. I had him at number 30 in my Harris 100. Maybe should have had him a little bit higher. Not 30. Not number one, but not number 30. Oh, boy. Well, you miss every now and again. All right. Let's move on to another AFC East battle this time. It's in the Meadowlands. Oh, oh jeez. Bill's taking on the Jets. I don't know. For some reason, I saw Bill's, and I don't know why I got excited. And then I saw Jets. Sorry about that. Yeah, it's going to be a blowout. The Bills are going to bounce back. They're favored by 12 and a half. They're going to house the Jets. Mike White will get the start for the Jets. That's going to be fun. He came out of that game Thursday against the Colts, and that slowed down the Jets' offense when Josh Johnson had to go in. Mike White will put up some points on the board. I think the Bills are going to put a whole heck of a lot more. Look for a 40-burger from the Bills and a big win and a cover over the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. All right, let's go to Pittsburgh. Where I told Mark Vandermeer last night, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are one team I would not want to face in the first round. Now, I don't think the Steelers can win the AFC overall. I don't think they can win three playoff games. I don't. Whether they, they're not, well, they could get the bye, I guess. I don't think it's going to happen. But the Pittsburgh, are, the Steelers are not a team I want to see. If the Steelers get a wild card, the last thing, if I win the division, that I want to see are the Steelers coming to my house. 
Well, the Lions will be going to the Steelers' house. And Pittsburgh's favored by eight. The Lions have played extremely hard for Dan Campbell. They give it up. They should be two and six. Two last-second field goals uh, have put the Lions at 0-8, and that's unfortunate. I want to see Dan Campbell get a win. It won't happen here, though. I will give them credit. They will get the cover. They will get inside the eight. This is 24-20. Steelers win. I don't think they'll have to come from behind, but I do think the Steelers will pull out the win. 24-20, that's pretty good. Pittsburgh not going to cover the eight. Detroit will cover the eight, but Pittsburgh gets the win. It's all, all that matters to the Steelers, but it's not all that matters to you if you go to Caesars Rewards. All right, Buccaneers taking a Washington football team last year. This matchup was in the playoffs. This year, it's a 6-2 and two team against a 2-6 and six team, and the Washington football team is going nowhere. That's why Tampa Bay on the road is favored by 9.5. Now, remember what I said earlier in the show, ah, look out for those big spreads. This would be, no, this is not one of those where Washington will have a shot. Tampa Bay goes into Washington and does even more damage then Tampa Bay did in the playoff game. Could see playoff Lenny? No, I don't think you'll see that. But I do think you'll see Tom Brady throw for a lot of yards against Washington's defense. That just is a shell of what it was last year. Tampa Bay wins and covers that nine and a half. All right. This game is a fun one as we get into the afternoon games. We got one, two, three. We got four afternoon games. This one on Fox, two NFC teams. The Carolina Panthers are taking on the Arizona Cardinals. Now, the Cardinals are favored by 10 and a half. And Kyler Murray did practice today. Now, it does appear that DeAndre Hopkins will be a game-time decision. Hop doesn't miss a lot of games. However, without Hopkins, without Murray... The Cardinals went out to San Francisco and blasted, blasted the 49ers. So, at home, if Kyler's back, I would imagine the Cardinals are going to stay in that group. For the Panthers, P.J. Walker will get the start. But the news for Carolina is that Cam Newton is back. How long does it take for Cam to take over at quarterback with Sam Darnold having gone on IR? And P.J. Walker there. Now, I like P.J. Walker. We saw him with the Roughnecks in the XFL. I think he can do some things. And I think he can put some pressure on the Cardinals. It won't be enough. However, it won't be enough to win. But I do think it will be enough to get inside the 10 and a half. So let's ride the P.J. Walker train. This will not be an upset. Maybe flirt with it for the first three quarters. But in the end, with Kyler playing, Hop potentially playing, Cardinals will pull out the win at home. Cardinals just got to hope those fans are into it, give them a true home field advantage. And if they do, the Cardinals will move to 9-1. and one. Let's go out to L.A. I mentioned L.A. It makes me sad. My family is out there. Although, my girls are coming home Tuesday. My wife and my daughter are coming home Tuesday, so I am pumped. But they could be in the building for this one as the Vikings take on the Chargers. Now, Vegas has this as Chargers 3, which, again, when Vegas puts it at 3, they're essentially saying, the home team at 3, 
They're essentially saying these teams are even, and we're not totally sure, but the home team gets a three-point bump. We think these teams are even. I don't think that. And then you've got this Dalvin Cook situation, and he will play this week for the Vikings. And there's a lot to work through with that situation legally. I've said this many times, especially in the situation here. I don't know anything about the law. I won't speak to it at all. If you tell me he's playing, he's playing. And he will put some pressure on the Chargers, no doubt. But I do think coming back home, Justin Herbert and the Chargers are going to put a number up on the board against the Vikings. Expect high scoring, but the Chargers to win and to cover that three over Minnesota out in L.A. Let's go out to Denver, where the Broncos had a massive win last week against the Dallas Cowboys. I think at one point it was 30-7, to I think. Just blew them out. Teddy Bridgewater was outstanding. The interesting part of this is that Denver is only favored at home by one and a half. Now, I don't know if I have any kind of rule for this, but any team that comes from the East Coast West, especially late in the year, and has to play in altitude when it could potentially be cold. And I know Philly's kind of used to that. But the altitude is the big thing. And the Broncos are coming off a win? I don't know. At one and a half, that's basically a pick em, And I picked the Broncos. So I'm picking the Broncos to do it again. Now, that's a stretch two because I'm expecting Teddy Bridgewater to have another big ball game. But that's going to happen. The Broncos win in their first game back home without Von Miller. We'll get to him in a second. The Broncos are going to move to 6-4 and four with a win against the Eagles straight up and covering that one and a half. Then, Sunday afternoon, Seahawks, Packers. My man Sean Pendergast and his wife Amy will be there. That's a good thing. By week, you get a chance to do that. It's going to be a fun one because Mr. Unlimited is back for the Seahawks. Yes, Russell Wilson is back for the Seahawks in Green Bay, in the state of Wisconsin, where Russell played his final year of college ball. And Aaron Rodgers could be back. Could. The earliest he'd come back is Saturday. That's going to be one to watch. Green Bay is favored by three and a half, and I think the assumption there is that Rodgers will make it back for this game. But if it's got to be Jordan Love again, last week the Packers struggled with Love in just his first start and playing time in the NFL. True playing time against the Chiefs. And we'll get to them in a second. I don't really know how to feel about this one. Russell Wilson coming off the thumb. Green Bay with... And I know Green Bay really wanted Odell Beckham Jr. and more on him in a second. I'm going to roll with the home team. So I'm not sure. I'm going to go with Green Bay. I don't like that hook at three and a half. So, you know what? Ah, bleep it. I'm going Packers to win and Packers to cover. Chiefs taking on the Raiders. In Allegiant Sunday night, Raiders, a dog at home. Two and a half point favorite for the Chiefs. And I think the Chiefs, this is when the Chiefs start kind of rounding the corner and start just knocking the narratives out of the way. Oh, Patrick Mahomes is this. Pick it out. He's fine. They beat the Raiders last year on a Sunday night. I think it was a Sunday night game. Sunday night or Monday night. And it was a fabulous game. And Travis Kelsey caught the game winner as Jonathan Abram blew a coverage for the Raiders and the Chiefs won. I think the Chiefs win again. I think it's time. The Raiders, my goodness, how many more 
how many how much more can it take? First it was John Gruden, then it was Henry Ruggs, then this week it was Damon Arnett. I think that catches up to the Raiders. I think it caught up to him last week a little bit against the G-Men. They lost on the road. I think the Chiefs get them at home. And this is where the Raiders' season takes, from a record perspective, a different turn. It's already been taking a different turn, if you will, with all the things that have happened off the field. And oh, by the way, John Gruden's deciding to sue the NFL, and that is not going to be good for a lot of people throughout the league. And then Monday night, the Rams are taking on the 49ers in San Francisco. The Rams are favored by three and a half on the road. It should be the debut of Von Miller. It might be the debut of Odell Beckham Jr., but Sean McVay was sort of, um, I don't want to say uh, tricky, but he was like, I don't know. He was non-committal. That's the word I'm looking for. He was non-committal to whether OBJ would play. Last week, we thought Von was going to play against the Titans. They had him inactive. They needed him because the Titans housed him. This week, I think the Rams go to the 49ers on Monday night and get the win, which isn't saying a lot. The 49ers aren't great. And they got housed last week by a Kyler Murray-less Cardinals team at home. So clock is ticking for the Niners to do something, but I don't think this is the night it happens. Although, how about this? Rams are going to go get the win. But I think the Niners will get inside that three and a half. That hook helps me. 24-21. So I'm taking the Rams to win, the 49ers to cover. And those are your NFL picks for this week, brought to you by Caesars Rewards. All right, we'll go around the NFL next. Any loose ends I left out there, I'll pick them up on the flip side right here on Texans All Access. Right here on Texans All Access. Right here on Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. Glad to be with you. As I said, we will go around the league. Some things, some of these I hit, some of them I didn't uh, for the week. I know a lot of people obviously play fantasy football, so they always want to know, hey, what can I expect from my particular team? Well, I'll try and run down these as fast as I possibly can, as fast as I possibly can. In Tampa Bay, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown are out for the Buccaneers. Gronk with a back, AB with an ankle. They are both out uh, of Tampa Bay's game this weekend. Seattle said running back Chris Carson, running back, will not play. So I know Chris Carson has been, for some people, kind of a sleeper fantasy guy. He is out this weekend. Russell Wilson's back in. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, not a fancy Guy at all, plays safety nickel for the Saints. He is out for the New Orleans Saints. As I mentioned earlier, Alvin Kamara is out. Miles Garrett, Donovan Peoples-Jones, return to practice, should be available. But like I said, Nick Chubb, Demetrik Felton, both out of that game. Hop's going to be a game-time decision for the Cardinals. It looks like Murray is going to be ready to play in that one. Ryan Tannehill missed practice today, but the status report said nothing. And so that's usually a good sign that Ryan Tannehill for the Titans will be back. Surprisingly, Julio Jones is questionable with a hamstring, but my guess is he will play. I mentioned Sam Darnold a little bit. I was talking about Cam Newton. 
He is expected to miss four to six weeks. Sam Darnold is with that shoulder injury. And if you missed it, one of the more controversial plays of last week, Brian Burns had his ankle twisted by Mac Jones after, I think it was an interception. Mac apparently thought the ball was in his hands. He was trying to tackle him. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, Mac played at bowl, so there's, there's no telling exactly. But Burns is questionable with that ankle. David Bakhtiari, all-pro left tackle for the Packers, was activated, but will probably not play in that game for the Green Bay Packers. Tyron Smith will not play for the Dallas Cowboys at left tackle. Uh, Trace Claypool, let's get back to fantasy, will not play against the Lions on Sunday. Still think Steelers win, but the Lions end up covering, and it will help to not have, for the Lions' sake, to not have Chase Claypool in the lineup. Urban Meyer said James Robinson, running back, is more than likely good to go against the Colts. Trevor Lawrence, good to go, as is Cam Robinson and Miles Jack. T.Y. Hilton will play Sunday. Oh, get him on your fantasy team, people. Get him on your fantasy team. Do not get Curtis Samuel of the Washington football team on your fantasy team. He's, yeah, out. And almost never playing for the Washington football team. Uh, so let's see if I can hit a couple of these others. Jamal Williams, running back for Lions, will not play. Into their fantasy impact here. George Kittle was back at practice, and Elijah Mitchell were both limited in Friday's practice. Keep your fingers crossed. Uh, that's going to have to be a wait and see for the 49ers, but those two are probably the biggest weapons outside of Debo Samuel that the 49ers have. So keep an eye on Elijah Mitchell and George Kittle. Elijah Mitchell, I told you about him this last offseason, draft offseason. I told you, look at this back from Louisiana. Loved him, and now he's killing it for the 49ers. All right, got to thank Brevin, Nico, Roy, DP City who do all those interviews, Drew Doherty. Got to thank my man Chris back at studio. You are the very best. Have a great weekend. ESPN Plus, you can see me there covered same Houston and Eastern Kentucky. Other than that, be there 8 o'clock sharp Texans Monday as we start a new week right here on Sports Radio 610. See you then, everybody, and as always, go Texans.